Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Erin Tennant. She is the owner founder of Girl Bell Coaching. Uh, take it away, Erin. Hi. Hi, April. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited to be on to talk to you and uh, your listeners. So thank you so much. Um, I'm Erin Tennant. I am the owner of Grow Well Coaching. I'm a mindset coach for personal wellness. So my clients are coming to me because they're overwhelmed with a problem they have, a concern in terms of their wellness. It could be their weight. It could be um, habits. It could be behaviors. It could be routines. It could be anything that is in regards to the relationship with food, their body, and themselves. So I work with my clients on a whole slew of issues, concerns, problems that they want support or guidance in help addressing. So what do you say when your client says, Hey, I just ate like half of a box of candy from Halloween. (laughs) My response as a coach, if I put my coach hat on is how do you feel about that? (laughs) There you go. There we go. That is coaching right there (laughs) Yep. because I think, I, I think this is, um, this is just kind of leading into it a little bit, uh, opening the door up for this conversation is I think there's a lot of misconception of what coaches are and who they are and what they do in terms of mindset coaching. Now, however, there's, you know, weight loss coaches that will help coach you through dieting. There Mm -hmm. are, you know, coaches that will help you become better athletes. Coaches are there to guide and support. However, as a mindset coach, I am not the expert of your mind. I'm not here to tell you what to think and how to feel and what to do. I'm here to create a space where you can start exercising your own brain muscles. So you can start thinking at a new level that will be required of you to address that concern, that problem, whatever you have in your personal wellness. So that's more of my um, focus in mindset coaching. Now, other people will be the expert and they'll be like, this is what you have to do. This is what you should do. This is what you need to do. And that's fine. That is, that is an option for people and people love it. It's great. I will consult based on my own personal experiences, but mostly when I am coaching, I am, we are doing the reps that are required for your brain to practice thinking at a certain level for you to find your answers. Is it kind of like habit building type work? Yeah, it's habit building type work. Um, But again, it's like what drives the motivation to keep doing the same thing, to build those healthy habits and routines. So we have to keep uncovering the layers of the emotions and the thoughts. And, And a lot of the times you're not doing something. It's not because you can't. It's not because you don't have what it takes. It's not because you don't have the resources. You just haven't learned the skill set yet. And you haven't created the space to think about what is required of you to learn the skill set. And so that's what my coaching offers. So I noticed that you're from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Would you say that the majority of your clientele are local to you or are you seeing people virtually from all over the place? Yeah. Um, Right now they're local but I've had some clients on the West coast, which has been really, really cool and fun. I, I working from home, obviously we're on this podcast and talking about our experience working from home. I take all my calls over zoom. So I am coaching calls so I can work with anyone around the world. I just haven't expanded that network or had the opportunity to do so a lot, but however, I'm completely open and I would love the opportunity to work with people from different parts of the globe. I think that would be incredible. So you're meeting virtually, but your base yes. is local. How did that happen? Yes. Are you like advertising to a local base? Um, well, I'm networking locally. So, uh, right now I'm going to local networking events. Um, I'm, collaborating and partnering with different groups. And, um, those are all local. However, I'm in the process of getting my coaching certification, um, which is not required to coach. Mm -hmm. However, in the coaching direction, I want to go, I do feel it will be useful and helpful for me to grow as a coach and serve my clients to the best capacity that I can. So it's just continuing education for me. Um, that is on zoom 
that is globally. And I've met so many awesome people and I'm hoping that is one of the ways I can open up the opportunities to work with people all around the world. So if you're Just working with there. local people currently, are you keeping like a daytime schedule or do you have wonky hours? Well, this is, this may become a challenge at some point, but right now, because I am relatively new, I'm a year, year and a half out of coaching and building my business, opening my doors to my business. Um, I am operating because I'm a wellness coach of what are my best hours of the day? So for example, my best focus hours, my best presenting hours, my best conversation hours Mm -hmm. are in the morning. So I keep that open for podcasts like -hmm. this, for networking, for my school. And that's really, or any time that I need to work on social media posts, content, anything like that. My coaching, it's, it's an, it's an art, it's an ebb and a flow and every client's different and every needs different. So it's meeting them where they're at. So I don't, it's not about being on so much or thinking so hard. It's more about listening. So I do my best listening work in the afternoon. So I like to take a lot of my clients kind of later morning afternoon, um, because I do take, um, a couple hours in the afternoon as my lunch break. And I require that of myself and I go work out. Oh, cool. I go release some steam. I go work out. I stay physically fit. I stay mentally fit. Cause there's a lot of, um, mental work obviously to stay physically fit. It, it mm-hmm. requires a, a certain level of mindset that you have to work on. So I, um, and coming from someone who lost over 130 pounds, without dieting. And this is how I got into coaching. You know, it, I did that not by dieting or following a program. I did that by shifting my mindset. And now Mm -hmm. I understand what's required of me to operate under a successful mindset. And for me, it's about taking a break from my work because I work from home, getting out of my house, going somewhere else and focusing on something outside of work. So when I can come back, I'm fresh and I'm ready to go. And I've kind of let go of some of the energy I've built up over having these really inspiring conversations and meeting new people and learning new things. And I'm just like, poof, like a bomb has exploded in my head. I got to do something with that, all that great energy. So then I can show up to coach my clients. Okay. (laughs) You said inspiring, but I mean, I'm sure that there's some sort of load that comes with hearing people struggle with, you know, creating positive mindset, right? Yeah, for sure. There's a lot. I mean, I am not naturally a positive person. I will be very transparent about it. I, my brain operates in a way, and I don't know, um, I've met people where they can resonate with this and they're like, other people are like, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. My brain is so good at executing and offering me resistance, which I, in terms, define as negative self-talk mind drama, objections, negativity. That's what we call it. Like it'll offer at me first. Like I wake up and the first thing it says is don't get out of bed. Not like get out of bed and start your day. You're so excited. It's like, no, boo-boo, go back to sleep. You're tired. Like we don't (laughs) want to get out of bed. I am done arguing with it. It's like, I can't argue with, I'm going to give her a gender. I'm not going to argue with my brain. It's not useful. It's not helpful. It's not effective, not unnecessary. So part of shifting your mindset is allowing your current mindset to be not, not meeting the resistance with resistance. Like I have to fix this. I have to change this. No. Okay. I don't want to get out of bed today. That's fine. However, the control that we do have is what do I want to do with that? I understand. And I built the awareness to know that I don't want to get out of bed. I love being in bed. I don't want to rush out of bed. I just want to lay in my comfortable, warm, dark bed. Mm -hmm. So that's not a problem for me. What's a problem for me is what I make that mean. That I'm not motivated, that there's nothing worth maybe getting up for, or I don't have what it takes to meet the day. There's There's a deeper layer there that we are unconscious to. But as we shift our mindset by building our awareness, we can become more conscious of that. And we understand it. We're like, oh, and then you can learn how to manage it. 
So I just shift my focus from, okay, well, brain, thank you for offering me today of what I don't want to do. What's (laughs) something you do want to do? Find something you do want to do. And it's almost like treating, I don't know if you have kids, April, but I, have I a do. <laughs> I'm making this it's a lot. It's redirection. Think of your brain as a toddler. It is op- oppositional. It is defiant. It is stubborn. <laughs> and it, it's got a mind of its own. And you would never, if your toddler had a knife, this is a famous like um, analogy or metaphor that uh, I hear. She's, I'm not going to take credit for it, but Brooke Castillo is the owner and uh, founder of the Life Coach School. And that's how one of the people I followed in her work. And I appreciate her work. She always says, she always likes to compare your brain to a toddler running around with a knife unsupervised. <laughs> you have to supervise it and get the knife out of the toddler's hand. You know, the, the toddler can still use the knifing motion, but you got to get the knife out of the hand. Oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> so it's, you got to supervise your brain a little. And, and if you haven't been doing that for a while or ever, it's going to feel like work because it's new. And anything we do in this world that is new is uncomfortable and it's hard. That's so true. But that's part of learning. It's part of learning. I don't know where in our lifetime where we thought learning was easy, that we thought learning was comfortable, that it should just be just a smooth sailing process. No, it's just not what it is. So why argue with a universal truth, just accept it and be willing to work with it. So you get what you want out of this life. You meet those goals. You, you go after all those big dreams and aspirations that we're scared to do because the scary is there for a reason. So the resistance going back to the resistance, it's there for a reason. I just teach my clients how to manage and work with it so they can still get out of bed and do the incredible things that they are capable of doing and essentially want to do, but their mind is getting in the way of it. I love it. I think about, I have um, three kiddos and the oldest two are in fifth and sixth grade. My youngest is seven. So we're finally through those toddler years. (sighs) My seventh grader, my second second grader who's seven just lost her second front tooth yesterday just in time for the all I want for Christmas are my two front teeth song right um but I'm starting to see that that resistance that my older two kids have when they do face something that's challenging learning has generally become or been easy for them learning how to read was easy generally school has been somewhat easy it's just the organization part that's hard um but they're starting to finally hit like the math and some of the other things that are a challenge and they're like, I don't want to do it. It's too hard, you know? And mm-hmm. I remember that feeling. I, I hit that more when I was in college and I took a physics class. I was like, wow, I'm really not very smart. <laughs> you know, my brain just didn't work that way. And it doesn't make you want to pursue it. I definitely didn't pursue a degree in physics. My husband did. Um, but yeah, trying to, trying to overcome something that isn't easy is, it's kind of like building habits. It's easy to build the bad habits. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's super easy to build unhealthy or bad habits um, because they're rewarding yeah. there. And what I mean by rewarding is you usually get instant gratification from them and the quote unquote good habits or the healthy habits. You don't get instant, instant gratification. You get delayed gratification mm. in your brain and your you, we all, we all want instant gratification. Right. So if you can recognize that, okay, well, for example, I'm just using the example of weight loss. I'm going to lose weight. If I'm tired and exhausted sitting my butt on the couch and turning on Netflix and getting a snack, even if I'm not hungry, but just to eat because I'm bored, that is instant gratification at right. its finest. It right. is magnificent. It feels <laughs> so good. Or you're like walking through Target and you're like, I'm just getting the toilet paper. And you're like, ooh, shoes. I'm just going (laughs) to slowly pivot to the shoes. I'm just going to look, we tell ourselves. And then you're like, I have three pairs of booties and I don't need them, but they're cute. That's instant gratification Um, because we have a need that's unmet and we're looking outside ourselves to meet those needs. What I do with my mindset coaching is build the awareness that this is all normal behavior. Nothing's wrong with you. You You are a high functioning a human being doing human behaviors. However, the problem is, is you don't want to be doing them because they're keeping you from what you want to actually be doing. So if you can understand the difference between instant gratification and delayed gratification, 
and then we can slowly ease into it. So maybe it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can have the Netflix and chill, but maybe that's in the popcorn, but maybe that's a reward after you decide you're going to do that hard thing today that you're really scared to do, or it's going to be the thing that leads you to grow your business or lose the weight or whatever. Plan for it. Plan for that instant gratification after you start building that healthy habit. Tie it to something that's gratifying, but do it in a way that works for you and that you're not going to use against yourself. So you wake up the next day like, oh, I didn't do that again, or I did that again. Like, that's just, it's just unuseful for us and it's unnecessary. Let's see if we can bring it to the people who work from home, because I bet a bunch of your yes. clients do work from home. Mm-hmm. What percentage yes. would you say? Maybe half or more or less? Uh, I would say about 40 to 50% work from home. Okay. Um, obviously more during, you know, lockdown and, you know, beginning years of COVID. Right, uh, of course. We were all working, teachers, everyone who could worked from home. Right. Um, so a lot of them did. Uh, and then as I've been coaching them, they've been transitioning back into the office or partially Mm -hmm. back into the office. Um, and obviously that changes some of their habits they're working on. And so we've built up these amazing habits. We worked on our mindset, built these amazing habits from home. And all of a sudden it's like, crap, I got to go into the office. What happens to my 11 o'clock, you know, get on that Peloton bike or go for a walk or make the salads from home. Like, Oh crap, what do I do? And it's like, what do you do? What do you want to do? How, how does that look for when you know you have to go into the office three days a week, five days a week? How can we shift those habits just a little, pivot them so they're going to look a little different, but they're still going to give you that long-term gratification that you want? So many people had to adjust to work from home and now you have to adjust to go back to the office. Yeah. Rather yeah. than fall and, into the same old habits you made it might've had before. Right. Yeah. And that's, re- and if you don't have a level of awareness and an understanding that it's your responsibility to manage your brain, then you're going to let your brain manage you. The toddler's going to put the knife back in the hand and start running like a maniac. And you're going to go into putting out fire mode. You're going to be going into, uh, maybe like, Oh God, I can't deal with this right now. Uh, let someone else is, I just can't handle the, the, uh, the emotions and the, and the resistance that comes from, um, watching this train wreck, you know, think about trauma responses. You're going to flight, you're going to fight, you're going to freeze, you're going to fawn. Those will carry into change because change can be traumatic for people, uh, not on this. Yeah. Yeah. Not on a magnitude where you aren't going to function, but your brain isn't going to function to the highest level. So your brain's going to automatically want to shut off. So you then have to say, okay, again, it's my responsibility. What is my practice to manage my mind? And that's what I work with my clients is finding their practice to manage their mind every day, little by little. So it's almost like putting on your seatbelt, brushing your teeth, all the things, it it becomes a habit to manage your mind. And you just grow that skill set and that capacity as you grow yourself. Let's go through, excuse me. Let's go through a few of the, the biggest things that people who work from home contend with. Um, yeah, I know that some of my clients are like you and they're entrepreneurs where they're working on their own schedule and they, they're the boss. And so they have a one set of things that they work with that they can have control over. And then another set of my people are employees who mm-hmm. are, you know, following the rules of their organization or their boss. And then a few others that are, you know, leaders in their organization, managers, salaried, um, and they have a different set, right? So are mm-hmm. there some things that you would say are common among all? Um, I would say no matter if you're an employee, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're your own boss, if you are working at home, it's not so much what you do with your time, which is important and how you use your time. That's super useful to kind of think about how we use our time throughout the day, mm-hmm. but it's really the mindset that's driving the emotion behind the habit and the action line in the house. So for example, think about 
I'm going to use an entrepreneur, for example, because I resonate because I'm an entrepreneur, right? I'm working from home. I have a list of things to do and I'm trying to build my business. I'm trying to grow my following on IG. And so I show my goal is I'm going to show up every day, my face, and I'm going to get on stories and I'm going to say some stuff and it is what it is. And which is one of my biggest fears that I'm working on right now myself. So just to be transparent and I go there and I work on it and I'm just, I'm just reading off content. I'm just doing what's planned. You know, I could do that every day and still not grow my business. Yeah. I could still be stuck in, okay, I can't hit more than X amount of clients or generate more revenue or help really get people the best results. You know, I could be really stuck and still do the action. However, let's say the person next to me, they're doing the same thing, talking about the same stuff. We're literally saying the same thing, but it's the way they're saying it that matters because the way they say things and the way we show up and the way we connect with people and the way we give off with the way we communicate is really what's important. Okay. And yeah. so that is driven by your mindset. So whether you're an employee, whether you work from uh, home as an entrepreneur, taking care of the way you think about yourself, about your relationships, about your core beliefs and your needs and your values is really, really important to the action line of, of, of a um, thought feeling or the, was it the, the thought feel act model? Like we can all do the same thing, but it's, it's the energy behind that. And some of us think we have it or don't, but you can absolutely generate that with shifting your mind and practicing, asking your brain questions, listening to those questions and having reflections on the answers that your brain offers you and deciding what to do with them. I see a lot of people who approach the idea of working from home from the complete opposite mindset. Some people are like, look at it as a luxury, as a privilege, as this opportunity. And other people, I I think it was the people that were forced to do it, um, you know, unexpectedly um, without being properly, you know, prepared, look at it Mm -hmm. as, you know, this terribly lonely existence. And, you know, while I had my whole social life at work. And just a very, very different mindset and affects, I think, how they, how they work and how they, you know, interact with community. And I've seen some people that seem genuinely depressed because they're working from home. Um, You know, I have had to learn that my social life isn't dependent on my work. You know, I might get some social interaction from, well, obviously like podcasting is social interaction for me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I build my friends with the people I want to now. You know, I, I show up at the places that I, I found people who are like-minded or have similar, you know, children at a certain age, um, that it just works. And I feel like I get to actually pick my friends now. Um, where so much of my time was spent at work in the past. So, um, how about social life? How does it, how does working from home affect the mindset of people who, um, yeah, need a social life? Like you you said it could go either way or anything outside of that spectrum or in between. And the two examples we gave from, you look at it as an opportunity and it's awesome. I kind of find, fall in that realm. And my husband, we enjoy working from home. We have, mm-hmm. we find a lot of freedom from working at home. However, there are a lot of people I know that have struggled. They have concerns, their needs that they have needs that were met better at work than at home. So what I would ask yourself, if you're one of those people where you're like, gosh, I'm working from home and I just, I'm really struggling. I'm really unhappy here. I would ponder and get curious about what that is about. Why is that happening for you? What need is not being met? And for example, like you said, your social life, like the need of being connecting with humans, the need of being seen, the need of being heard the need of being validated and uh, wanted or needed by other human beings. Those are completely fine and normal. If you're not going to get that from your work, the way it used to be, how can you replicate that as close to possible in working from home, A, or B, 
ramping it up in other areas. So maybe, for example, if you're working from home and you're on a project and you're like, I need some social interaction, maybe deciding ahead of time based on your schedule, go meet a friend for lunch who has that flexibility, go have lunch with them, get outside and go for a walk. If you work at home with your spouse, like my husband and I share an office, oh, wow. we like to have lunch. Yeah. We like to have lunch. Sometimes um, we like to go for a walk and walk the dog sometimes and just connect. Cause we do feel lost in our work and, you know, we just want to connect with each other. So, or maybe you're the leader of your organization and you want to create more team meetings and have them on the calendar and do more zooms. Or if you're able to do in-person meetups, maybe try to get a coffee in or a one-on-one with your team, Mm -hmm. if that's something that you can do. But sitting in despair or discomfort about what you don't have, you get to decide how long you want to do that for. And And I'm not saying don't do it, but there's a difference between acknowledging that I feel this way and I don't like feeling this way. And I want to change that. And I have the power to change that versus I don't like this. I'm unhappy. This is just miserable. Notice how you just, there's no forward motion. You just stopped and you're stuck in despair. And then I personally don't care if you are like, I, I know how it feels to be stuck there. I don't like that. I don't want that for you, but you have to decide what you want for yourself at the end of the day. And just maybe the smallest little switch, it doesn't have to be this big, massive change. Like, okay, well, I'm going to do something crazy and, you know, do a team dinner every week with my team or, um, I don't know. Pretty fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, we want to go back, whatever it is. You know, you don't have to do these extreme measures, but taking one step forward will take some of that pressure and relief and discomfort or well, excuse me, take some of that discomfort off of you, so to speak, out of your experience and provide some relief. And those little tips of what can I do today to meet my need of wanting that connection, wanting to have that conversation, maybe wanting to physically touch a person. I mean, I know with work, you're like, okay, that can be (laughs) a little bit, that's a whole other conversation, but Maybe it's a handshake. Maybe it's a hug if you have that kind of relationship with right. work. So how can you make that? Can you go hug your kids more at home if you're not able to hug coworkers? Or can you sit and have a Zoom lunch with a coworker and catch up? Right. So earlier you mentioned that you get out and go to the gym and you're gone for two yes. hours or you're at lunch for two hours. Yes. Um, yes. Is that part of your getting out of the house for social or just for a change of scenery? Like what is it that makes that so important to you that you make sure it happens every day? Um, for me, it's really for, from someone who was obese as a symptom to the problem that I was experiencing the gym for me, or it's not the gym every day. Sometimes it's getting outside. I go for runs. I walk the dog. I meet up with a friend. We go for a hike. For me to be the most valuable coach, I have to give value to myself. And I am now the person that I find a lot of value from physically, from taking care of my body physically. And I like what it does for my mind. It's literally like, I'm going to the gym or I'm doing this exercise. And I had a lot of resistance to exercise for a long time. And there are some days I still have it where I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be a tough one. Especially like, I don't know with you, if you've experienced this and I don't know where you live, but I live in Columbus, Ohio. So the weather's all over the place, but for four or five months, it's like dark, cold, and wet. We have the opposite. Cause I'm in the Phoenix, Arizona area. And so it's just so hot. It's just so hot that you, you don't want to be outside from pretty much May through, um, the beginning of October. See, I'm the opposite. I would thrive. Like I love to go in a song. I love to be hot. And I know a lot of people don't. I'm like, (laughs) I would, I love it. I know. Like, it's so like my husband and I, like it can get up in the nineties and we like rarely put on, we only put on air conditioning. Cause like our dog is panning and our kids are like, <laughs> it's hot. Like, or we have guests and we're like realizing like people oh, don't come to our, normal. Like, we, yeah, this isn't normal. And we did not ask to go to your house and have dinner and sweat all over our dinner. No, I'm just kidding. But like, no, my husband and I enjoy being warm, but I'm very jealous. Of you. you should but, come uh, visit. 
I oh, it when don't it's me. May or October when it's just hot enough to be fun, but also not so hot that you're dying or unsafe because people try to hike when it's hot and then they die. Yeah. That's a different story. I I mean, I could lounge by a pool. I could be in a pool for six hours and be fine. Yeah. No, Arizona is beautiful. And I love Arizona. I have a, I have a very, um, Arizona has a very special place in my heart, which is a whole other story, but I love it. So I'm very happy you live there, but (laughs) I've noticed that weather affects my level and the type of resistance I have. Right. So when it's dark and cold, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to the gym. I want to, uh, my natural state of being is sitting on the couch and eating and watching TV. That's just Mm. something that I really enjoy doing. And so I have to fight or I don't like to say fight because that's combative. I have to work or, you know what? I have to fight a little harder to be aware of my resistance and Mm -hmm. letting it be and acknowledging where my power is and what I want to do with it. So I noticed like weather is a huge indicator of my motivation. Right. And so what I like about the gym and what I like about making that space for myself during that afternoon, I'm pivoting, I'm switching it up. I'm not in hustle mentality. I am pouring into my cup because again, I like to be well, I like to be physically fit. And I love the, I love after a day that I've just had a really tough time getting to the gym and being there that I did it, that I did my best work, even if it was D plus C plus B minus, it's not perfect, but I did it. And that's going to mean something to the future version of myself. It right. does mean something to her. If and you the can days get that there, I, yeah, if I can it. get there, you don't regret it. And, but the thing is, it's not the challenge of being there. It's a challenge of getting there. And if you know how to manage the resistance and you know that it's coming and you know, that it's not a problem that it's there then you can work with it and still do the things that your future self will thank you for, because that's required of you to be the person you actually want to be. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. I want to be clear about something. It does not mean you have to be perfect. A lot of the work I do with my clients is creating ranges and flexibility in our smart goals, in our habit building uh, goals. Because when we start saying to ourselves, we should do this, we have to do this. And it's like for this amount of time, it's this specific thing you have just put your back against a wall. Mm-hmm. You are not letting yourself be human. And when you have, and you have work and you have partners and you have life happening that you have no control over within that moment, you can control yourself and what you do with the tools of your brain, with, with your humanist tools, like your brain and your body, you can learn how to operate those and manage that part of yourself. I read a book. It's called The Power of Habit by Charles Dunnig. I think that's how we say the name. And one of the things I appreciated I'm, that I pulled from it. Are you familiar with that book at all? I am not. And I'm literally putting it in my phone because I have a whole list of books. Yeah. And this is anytime anyone tells me. So it was it called it, The Power The of- Power of Habit by Charles okay. Dunnig, D-U-N-I-G-G. And I don't remember, I don't think it's a very new book. Um, but the thing okay. that I got out of it that really that really resonated with me is that habits are the ones that are easy to form that your brain can go on autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. The routines are the ones that are hard. If it's something that you Mm -hmm. don't want to do, you're not going to habitually do it. (laughs) You're not going to habitually go to the gym or, or, um, do homework or, you know, read something that's challenging. It's not something that you just pick up subconsciously. You have to, you know, make an effort for that to happen. Now, like you were saying, getting to the gym is the hard part. Once you get into the gym, you can go on autopilot and do your routine. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. You know, go to the left. That's like a habit, but driving yourself there, that's not a habit. (laughs) No, because that's where all the resistance is. It's usually right before or after you've done something and we have a lot of resistance and we don't know what to do with it. And we believe the stories our brains tell us. And one of the things that I teach and coach on with my clients, and I love that he said that um, because that's so true, is that think of what we are. We're human beings. So there's a human part of us, and then there's our being part of us. 
So your being part that I think about it and you, and anyone can kind of insert their own words that resonate with their, their being part is like their spirit, their higher power. What, what connect, like the, why we're here, whether it's your religion, your follow your faith, whatever it is, like our purpose, like how did we start? Why are we here? All those questions we ask ourselves are being our soul. Then we have the human part of us and the human part of us is our brain and our bodies. Mm -hmm. Those are tools. Those are tools for us to use. We sometimes confuse ourselves that we are our bodies and we are our brains, but we're not. There are tools we, we have been offered as beings. So learning how to use your body, learning how to use your brain is so just like, it is a game changer. And when I was able to learn how to use my brain, I started with my brain first, use, learn how to use it as a tool versus believing it was who I was as a person and learning how to operate it. So it does support my being, my values, my core needs, uh, my soul, then things just made more sense and got a little easier. And I didn't feel like I was constantly like drowning my head up above water. Like I understood things more clearly. And then now some of the work I'm doing since I've kind of mastered the mindset, I'm actually working with a coach to learn how to use my body a little better, learn how to process emotions, identify emotions, sit with some of that discomfort in my body. Because as someone who is so self-aware and has really done a lot of work to master using their mind and shifting their mind. I also am a master compartmentalization of my emotions. Wow. And that is not useful or helpful (laughs) in any way, shape or form that I have found out through coaching. And I was like, oh, okay, well maybe I can just learn how to use my body this month and Mm. process my emotions and feelings. So, you know, and a lot of the time, and this is a very internal isolating work. So having a coach, having a guide, having a mentor, someone who is an expert in this field is so just like, I just love everything about it, but bringing, tying it home to working from home. When you're working from home, it's very isolating at times. We've just talked about that. So when you're alone with yourself, you can kind of hear things more in your head. You can kind of feel things more in your body. So if you are going to hear and, and maybe become more aware of what you're thinking and feeling, learning to manage that is just, I think the key to everybody's success truly, because if you avoid the feelings, if you avoid the thoughts, if you try to fix the thoughts and feelings, if you try to resist them, that's when we go back to old patterning. That's when we go sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat. And we didn't want to do that. We actually wanted to read this book or we wanted to work on this project or we wanted to spend more quality time with the kids. Yeah. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. So if I could give any shout, anything out from the rooftop, if you could take away anything from this conversation that we're having anybody, if you are working from home or not, but especially if you're working from home, you may notice that you are alone with your thoughts and your feelings and learning to use those for you instead of against you is just going to be a lifesaver for your wellness. Number one. And number two, understanding that you are not your thoughts and you are not your feelings. They are tools to give you indicators of things in terms of your needs your wants, your desires, your concerns. And those are not you, but they're there to help you navigate through this life. And if you can learn to understand them and manage them and work with them, life won't be so hard. It will be hard because it always will be, but it will not be so hard no matter what your circumstances are. If you can learn that skill set for yourself, you can get through a lot of hard stuff in life for sure. I like what you said also that you are not really your body. It's a tool. And, you know, yeah. we haven't all been issued the exact same body. And, nope. and some people, you know, 
their body is broken in some way or, you know, differently abled or their capacity for something is just different from the next person. And I really appreciate making that distinction. Yeah. And, and our bodies all look differently. We've also done things differently with our bodies. You know, as mothers, as biological mothers, we've carried children in our bodies. We've delivered them that, that, (laughs) that is a tool right there. That is like, wow, your body really did a lot of work there. Um, and then going to a different spectrum, you know, I mismanaged my body for a long time because I didn't understand how to manage my thoughts and feelings. I had an unfortunate, which I will use my own words, relationship with food. And I mismanaged it and I mismanaged my body because I didn't understand that I wasn't my body and I wasn't my thoughts. And instead of just working with them, I avoided and resisted them with food Mm -hmm. because that instant gratification that hit a dopamine from the sugar, from the whatever, it was more rewarding to me in the moment than the long-term. And I was always in this like disconnect. Like, I know I want to, you know, have a strong athletic body that can do hard things, but I'm choosing to do something different. And I don't understand why. And once I realized it was because I just didn't understand that I wasn't my body and I wasn't my mind. And just to improve that relationship, things naturally progressed and changed. And I lost, I could think differently and I could feel differently. My capacity to think in new ways and generate new ideas and generate new feelings and being able to tolerate and process those feelings that all came. And as a result, I lost weight. And so I don't diet. I don't restrict myself. I, I mean, Halloween was just the other night. Oh my God. I still love a Butterfinger. Like I ate candy. I'm going to eat candy mm-hmm. and it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good because I understand. I trust myself. I trust myself because I understand that when the thought comes in, don't trust yourself. You don't know what you're doing. That's not me. That's my mind. That's mm-hmm. just my tool. And I know how to manage it, bringing it full circle, but yes, yeah, sorry. What were you going to say? Um, so working from home and dealing with being so, well, I think it can go both ways. Being Mm -hmm. so close to the kitchen can be a tool. You can make your own food. You can choose healthy things. You can prep your lunch. You can cook in a way that you might not in an office. It also can be a problem because you have proximity to possibly bad choices or more options, um, or just more frequent trips to the kitchen. So any tips or tricks for mindset related to the kitchen? Yeah. I would first become aware, like what is your relationship with kitchen and the food? For me, I would say if you would have talked to Aaron five years ago, it would have been a problem. I didn't trust myself to be around food. I didn't trust myself to manage my emotions. So I went to food to feel better for comfort. Yeah. Um, So it would be a problem for sure. Um, now that I've done that inner work to be able to manage my mind. So I have built that self-trust and efficacy around food that I can walk in out of the kitchen and not even think about food, not get hungry, not have a craving, not have an urge, but five, six years ago, I'd walk into the kitchen and automatically want food. And I would automatically want food because my brain would be like, it's time to go eat because whatever's coming up for you in terms of your emotional needs, you're suppressing with food. So it, it kind of registered like in my brain, like, oh, you see food. It's not time to emotionally process, like go eat. Or if there was emotion come up, I would get hungry and be like, I got to go eat. Right. My kids. Oh my gosh. Way. Anytime we're like, Hey, go clean your room. I'm hungry. And they immediately go in the pantry. <laughs> Every because they're stressed time. about cleaning in their room and they have resistance <laughs> to cleaning the room. So they're going to that thing that they know, which is that first hit of dopamine, which like my kid will pick up a toy. Like, just cause if I'm upstairs, I'm like, okay, it's time for us to put our laundry away. Um, go put your laundry away. He'll be like, okay. And as he, before he even goes, he'll pick up, he's obsessed with these things called bakugans. He'll pick up a bakugan and start fidgeting it with it. Now someone could say, well, he's not listening to you and he's not being respectful. No, he's trying to soothe the discomfort from going to clean his room because there's resistance or 
put away his laundry because there's resistance. Right. So I gently remind him, hey, buddy, let's put a couple, you know, let's put some clothes away and then we can play with the Bakugans. And then he'll put some clothes away. I'll go walk and do something else because I'm trying for him to like do things on his own. He's six years old and I, I believe as his mother, he can manage this and he's going to learn how to put all these clothes away by himself without me. I'm, I'm like dedicated to this process. <laughs> so I'll come back in in four or five minutes and I'll find him playing with the Bakugan. Some shirts will be put away, but he'll be playing with them. And I'm like, what you doing? He's like playing with the Bakugan. And it's because he does not want to be putting away those clothes. And right. it's so uncomfortable. He went to go do what he wants to soothe himself. So he took a break and I'll be like, it's time to go. However, what I'm noticing is as we're doing, as we're building up this practice and I'm reminding him, you know, if you can focus just a little longer each time, put one shirt away before you pick up that Bakugan, soon you'll realize that you just put away all your laundry without needing the Bakugan. Like I haven't had that conversation with him, but I've been, I'm aware of that. And we kind of talk about that, Mm -hmm. but we sometimes as parents forget that our kids are tiny humans. We're big humans, but they're tiny humans and they don't even understand what they're doing. We don't even think about it. If we don't even understand what we're thinking or feeling, (laughs) how can we remotely even help our kids? I'm serious. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a hundred percent serious about this. We're trying to parent these kids. However, we're not even self-aware of our own coping mechanisms. And then so we, your kid's not listening to you to be a jerk. Yeah. He just can't tolerate the, I mean, and maybe there are kids that don't listen and I'm not here to argue that semantic. I'm just talking from my experience with my children. Yep. It's not because he's being a jerk. It's not because he's not obeying. Mm-hmm. He just has a lot of resistance to doing the thing you want him to do. You know, and always, I have that resistance for myself. We always get on the kids, you know, for not listening. And then I watch myself like sit on my couch looking like yesterday I scrolled through the news. I had some things I could have gotten done. I had some things yeah. I should have gotten done. And I, I got very caught up on the news. Very. <laughs> yeah. Little too caught up sometimes. How do I, how do I feel about that now? Um, can we yeah. talk about scheduling a little bit? I know that's another area that a lot of people struggle with, um, especially those that do have more control over their own time. When I was in yeah. a job where they told me what to do for my eight hour shift or 10 or 12 hour shift, you know, the work just came to me. I did it. I was like a factory worker almost. I was doing computer work, but it was like in, out, in, out, in, out. And I didn't have to make the choices. Now that I have more freedom and flexibility with how I spend my time, I notice, you know, some days I'm way more productive than others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what I find is useful and helpful for me. And again, there's so many ways to do this. Um, I follow a calendar system. I love a calendar. And for me, Google calendar has just been a godsend because you can color code things. If you have a Google email, it's like free. It's just super Mm -hmm. easy. You can do family sharing. So my husband and I both see it and we're on the same page. And what I, and, and I follow time blocking. So, um, I say to myself, okay, I, I had this on my calendar and it was color coded pink because everything in my work is pink. And my husband can see because we share an office and we have calls. Oh, she has a podcast recording. So if there's a meeting that we both have, we need to talk about, you know, who needs to be where and what, so we can be mindful and we can Mm -hmm. avoid any, you know, any conflict with having two calls scheduled at the same time, or, um, you know, if the kids are home from school, you know, if I'm on a call and I'm coaching, he can see that. And he can reiterate to the kids, Hey, mommy's on a call. You got to be upstairs. You got to be in this room, or maybe this is a great time for schedule play date, whatever it may be outside the house, or he can take them out, whatever it may be. Um, so I find a shared document if you're working with a family unit is the key to your success. And if you're working from home and sharing a space key to your success, time blocking is always great too, because a hard, well, I kind of say soft, but cause I'm not super strict about it. I, but I, at first I was, and then I eased up as I built a self-trust cause I got more comfortable with this, um, time blocking. So we say, we're going to record this podcast and it's going to be an hour. So we're, 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 we're about to wrap up. So we're going to be done and that's it. We're not going to schedule it, like put it on our calendar and not know when it starts and when it ends. 
it -hmm. will help you to know exactly what task you're doing when and how long it's going to take. Um, and then I would say, um, I said time blocking calendar. Oh, and something really useful is I always get people like all something will pop up and I'm like, Oh, I, I don't have time to put it on my calendar um, and time block it. But what I'll do is I'll add it to the top and just do like an all day. I'll hit all day and I'll put like add to Amazon list, uh, add to grocery list. Uh, oh, make well, my daughter's dentist appointment or, oh, I got to send this email out. So I might have things time blocked, but I have my checklist all on my calendar. And then if I find a break in my calendar and I'm like, okay, well, I've got like 20 minutes to spare. Let me tackle one or two of these items off. And I just carry them over to the next day. If I don't get them done, I prioritize what's important and based on it has to get done now, or I want to focus on getting quality stuff done or time sensitive things done or the quantity. I want to get as much off the list as possible. So I'm going to pick right. the five quickest, easy things to do. Um, so scheduling. Yeah. I would say set yourself up to succeed. That's how I set myself up to succeed. If I did what you did, that may not set me up to succeed. Mm-hmm. I can use it as inspiration. Like, wow, look what, it, how April schedules her time. That's so useful for her. How is that for me? What, what there is for me? Is it going to look the same? And maybe it will, and maybe it won't, but there can still be value in that for yourself. Well, you've identified already that your best conversation time is in the morning and your best coaching time is in the afternoon. And it always bucks me when people are like, oh, the best way to be productive is to wake up at 5am and to do this routine that has worked for me and to try to push that onto other people. No, let them reflect and figure out you know, how can they take the puzzle of their day and fit it together that in a way that works best for them? A lot of podcasts and people have said some of the most successful people are the people who wake up first thing in the morning and fill into their cup and all these things. And I don't disagree with them, but what's your version of that? Yeah. For me, it wasn't getting up early for a long time. Yeah. And I slowly kind of thought about that. I said, well, you know, what would early mean? And what would that look like? And do I want to, and I sat and I marinated and I reflected on that just because your answers know the first time doesn't mean the second or third time you ponder and ask the question that there isn't something of value there for you, because maybe it is waking up early. Maybe it's not, Mm -hmm. maybe it's really truly taking that lunch break. You know, I always say pick the low hanging fruit first. So if you are adverse to waking up early, you have a lot of resistance. I would not mess with that. Okay. Well, what, what are they doing in the morning? Oh, they're meditating. They're journaling. They're working out. Oh, there are three things that people say are super useful and helpful for them Mm -hmm. to be successful. Do I have time in later in the day to do that? Right. Start there. Or like you said, the way I schedule my time is all my thinking, focus, thinking, best conversation time is in the morning. I saw, a. it must've been like a meme or a quote or something the other day. And I will, I will butcher it right now, but it was basically like, <sighs> you know, if waking up at five o'clock in the morning to meditate and hang out and sit with your cup of coffee or whatever is working for you. And then you're in bed by 8 PM, basically don't judge me for doing that exact same thing in my evening time. You know, maybe I'll be yeah. up until 11, um, but I'm getting that done. Or I would even ask yourself, like, why are you even wasting your time judging something that someone does that works for them and not you? That's where I would piggyback (laughs) on it. Like you're just using your brain space for something that does not matter to you at the end of the day. And your brain will always try to do that. Like my brain does that to me all the time. I'll go, I'll say it'll have an opinion about something. I'm like, how is that even relevant to me and my happiness and my success and (laughs) well-being? And then it's like, okay, keep it moving. It is not. And you just let it to be, you let it to be there. You don't make it mean something about yourself, but you just keep it moving because exactly what you do with your time does not matter to me. What matters to me is that you're happy, you're well, and not happy all the time, Mm -hmm. uh, toxic positivity, but you get to experience joy whenever that is. You get to experience happiness. You're not in constant overwhelm. You're not, you're not. I want you to thrive. I want everyone to have the best quality of time on this earth that they're given. 
That's it. I know people who have employers, you know, who are on the clock, who are punching in and punching out. Their boss is going to care how they're managing their time. But yes, I wanted to switch gears for just a second before we have to wrap up here in a minute. Um, You mentioned that you and your husband share an office. And I'm just curious, how did you guys come to that conclusion? I've, I've known some people who share space and then one has to leave every time there's a meeting. And I've also known some people who choose to have two different working spaces in the house. So you must get along pretty well (laughs) to share this space. Want to talk about that? I'm like looking at him right now and he's smiling (laughs) at me, which I'm even, which I'm even surprised because half the time he like, I'm like, he's not even self, he's not even aware. He's like lost in his own work and doing his own thing. And a lot of times he'll have headphones, I'll have headphones. Um, well, the reason why we decided to work together in an office is just, we have limited space in our house. We yeah. live in a 1900 square foot. We're a middle-class family. Um, and we had the luxury and the opportunity to renovate our basement. And the way our basement structured is there was an area that we could create an office and it could be one larger office and two smaller offices. And to put a wall up, we would still hear each other. Mm. And we talked about it and we're just like, it's fine. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. And if we need to pivot, we will, we'll, 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 I may join a co-working space. And sometimes I do go to a coffee shop and work. If I have like content or I really need to be, uh, really, really focused on something, or I have a meeting outside of where I'll leave the office. I'm not in my office all the time. He's in the office primarily because he's a computer programmer and mm. he is an employee of an employer. Right. So he's, he's doing things, but he has a call schedule that I try not to, you know, schedule on. He's aware of my calendar. And sometimes we have calls at the same time and it is what it is, but we can, we have technology to help support filtering out the noise And, um, we have the mindset that whatever happens, we will figure it out, Mm -hmm. but we don't really talk a lot. Like when we're working, I'm listening to music, he's doing his thing, or I'm talking to someone. We don't really converse. We're working every now and then. If I'm procrastinating, I'll be like, Hey, John, look at, look at this Instagram reel. This is funny because he (laughs) loves cats and I'll show Uh him something. But like, we try to let each other work and we are really, um, we're really dedicated to our own work and our own Mm -hmm. space. But I would say if like, you're a person who is distracted easily and you struggle with motivation and procrastination, maybe having someone in your space may not be useful. Yeah. I get, I get, I get distracted by conversation that I understand, (laughs) but my husband, (laughs) we, (laughs) um, he works in our bedroom and I'm working in our master closet or our primary yeah. huge walk-in closet. Yeah. Not huge. It's not huge. It's not at all huge. Um, if it's a walk-in, it's huge to me because I, <laughs> I have a door and a rack. That's you, it. <laughs> yes. We've had that, but this one you can, I mean, I have a desk in here and That's a chair awesome. and several bookshelves, yeah. but um, if he's talking in a group meeting, um, it's he's a physics guy. He's doing engineering kind of work. And I have literally no idea what he's saying. So it's easy for me to tune that out. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. But if it piques your interest and you're like, Ooh, I know mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Yeah. Then you may notice like, Ooh, today's not the day to be in the right. same space. Or you just have to redirect the toddler, which is your brain. Right. But you seem to have a healthy mindset of we'll figure it out. We'll do what it takes. Like we took space inside of our closet to make a functional, like I'm looking at you for our listeners. She's got a beautiful setup. She's got a mic. She's got a chair. She's got a, like, I would have no idea. Like it's just you a curtain be in a against my wall. It's just, yeah, but I would have no idea. And I think we get so caught up and worried and concerned of what other people may think. And that sometimes trumps what works best for us. And for and I had you no idea to work you were in, in your, your basement. <laughs> Yeah. I'm in a basement. Like there's our ceiling. Oh, wow. There's our doors to our playroom. You can't see my husband, but he's right over there. No one yeah. has any idea. Yeah. And as long as you're doing your work to your highest level, that's all that matters. No one really care. I don't care. You're in your closet. No one cares. We are having <laughs> the best conversation. We're having a wonderful recording. That's all that matters. Right. So, so very um, cool. when you do have two 
two meetings at the exact same time, does one of you leave the room or do you just use like noise canceling microphone stuff? Um, he doesn't use microphones for work. So he just puts in a headphone and the good thing about computer programmers, they don't like to talk very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if he does have a meeting, it's a very short and sweet and to the point, like they're very direct. They're like, yes, no, I don't know. Or this is what we're, it's like, done. we're not, they're not talking like we are. They're not <laughs> discussing anything. They're just like, let's get this figured out and get off. We don't want to talk to each other. So that yeah. I'm very lucky in that regard. When I'm having a coaching call, I kind of feel bad for my husband or recording. We're having a long, deep, you know, conversation and, um, it doesn't bother him. So the minute it bothers him, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to manage, Right. but he can work and he can hear me talk all day long. He's listen. I'm the talker of the person in in our relationship. So he's used to the noise. Like he, he can function very well with noise. I tend to be more sensitive to noise because if it's not my noise, I'm like, oh my God, what is that? But, um, he's used to hearing my voice a lot. I think it's comforting. One thing that's helped me in the last few weeks, there's sometimes I want to work at my kitchen table, mostly just because I want to be in the same room as my family. I love them, but I have work to do but I get very distracted by the conversation. My kids are asking my husband physics questions and I'm like, what? Yes. I don't know about that. Um, I have found a white noise generator website mm. and you can adjust the levels. There's different, there's like pink noise and gray noise and other, you know, noises. And there's some that are created basically to black out conversation. So if mm-hmm. I do want to be in a coffee shop and I don't want to be distracted by the noises around me, I turn on one of those and put my earbuds or whatever I'm using that day in to just kind of mask the conversation. All of a sudden I can't hear the conversation. Now I can focus on my work again. That's really a great, useful tip. And I'm going to look into that for sure. What I find that's helpful is like, for example, I've been trying to go upstairs when my kids come home from school, Mm -hmm. they get a snack, they get downtime for about an hour where I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have some work I got to finish up before we have dinner and spend the night as a family. So you guys just spent all day at school. I'm proud of you. You guys are great at school. We get good reports back. What do you want to do with your time? They want to be on Roblox with their friends. They want to watch, you know, a movie, play video games. So they'll hang out upstairs, um, eat a snack and they have an hour of screen time if they want it. And I use that time to go up and be in their presence, even though we're not interacting and just finish up tidy emails bookkeeping, whatever's going on with running my business. Right. And, um, I find that classical music kind of soothes my brain. Mm-hmm. So I'll go on Spotify and just pick a playlist and it'll, I don't, it just, it just soothes me so I can focus much easier. So a lot of the times when I'm distracted or I'm at a coffee shop and my brain wants to focus on watching people or listening to other conversations, I just pop in some, as long as I'm not having obviously a podcast recording or talking to a client, but if I'm mm-hmm. doing kind of the mundane task of writing something or checking something off or fix it or emailing someone back, I will put classical music in my ears and it's That's very cool. helpful. Yeah. Erin, I know we need to wrap up. Could you go I ahead? I know this is so sad. Everyone know, well, we're recording early tomorrow, this morning. It's, it was 6am my time, which was perfect because we're wrapping up right as my kids are my husband yes. helped them pack lunches and now they're just vegging nice. right now. They've got their 30 minutes before we have to leave of doing whatever they feel cool. like. Um, but anyway, let your listeners or let our listeners know where they can find you. Yes. So you can, if you have any concerns with your personal wellness habits, routines, um, that could be weight loss related or not it could be in terms of your relationship with food, your body, yourself, anything that you're like, I want to be doing this, but I'm not, and I need help. And I don't know the disconnect. I'm your girl. I can help you work that out. So you can find me, um, on my website, which is www.thegrowwellcoach.com. If you're interested in working with me, you can schedule a free consultation. They take about an hour We'll walk through everything that you're going through. And then I will explain my program and my one-on-one coaching and how I can help you. Or you can just start following me on Instagram and Facebook at uh, the, okay. I always get this confused. So just bear with me. Cause I have kind of like to, uh, I have, you know, grow well. Oh yes. It's at grow well coaching. Um, Cause I have the grow well coach and grow well coaching. So it's at grow well coaching for Facebook 
and Instagram. And then I'm also on LinkedIn just under Aaron Tennant. So if you are any, if you're on any of those three um, platforms and you want to start following, if you, I give free tips, I do all the things. I'd love to have you on those platforms. Also, if you go on my website, I do have a quiz there that you can take if you're interested in learning about um, conscious eating, which is something I do teach. That's how I lost the weight. Um, if you're interested in that, instead of dieting or restricting, you can take that quiz, see if you're going to be a good fit. And then you'll be automatically signed up for a weekly newsletter where I give free coaching, free tips, free resources. These are things that people pay me for. Uh-huh. So if you want it for free, click it, take the quiz, whether you want it or not, at least you'll get the, um, you'll be signed up for the freeze newsletter, or you can always email me from my website, contact me and say, I don't want to take the damn quiz, but I want your newsletter done <laughs> and done. I'll, I'll, or over Instagram, whatever I'll, I'll hook you up. So no worries. And the quiz is at your website, the growwellcoach.com. Yep. 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 At, uh, the growwellcoach.com. They can scroll down. There's a free quiz to see if conscious eating is something that they want to do or engage in and, uh, go from there. Well, I'm going to go do that right now. Thank you so much. Oh, I love it. Yes. Thank you so much, April, for having me on. I love talking all things with you. I could talk to you about anything. So. No, right. Before we go, I'm just going to say a quick note to my listeners. If yes. you work from home, if you work from home, yeah, even half time, if you are an employee, an entrepreneur, a freelancer, or a manager or CEO of a company, and you work from home at least 50% of the time, contact me if you would like to come and talk about your life and your work on the show. Erin, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Yes. Yes. And you go reach out to April. This has been a pleasure. This is like the highlight of my day. I can already tell like the rest of my day, it's going to be great, but this was such a good way to start my day. So definitely reach out to April ASAP. Thank you. All right. This has been Erin Tennant with April Malone and yes, I work from home and we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you.